clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the African perspective. You here on African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama, from Monday uh, to Thursday. We look at uh, the big conversations happening on uh, the African continent. Well, today we're focusing on a South African story, and uh, today we're looking at regulating uh, religious organizations and practitioners. Should this be uh, the way forward? And uh, last week, the Commission for the Promotion and Protection for the Rights of Culture religious and linguistic communities released its final report on the commercialization of religion and the abuse of people's belief systems, saying that religious organizations and practitioners should be regulated. It recommended, amongst other things, that they should also be licensed. This report comes after a lot of concerning media reports that came out which documented pastors and spiritual leaders in parts of South Africa that were allegedly feeding their congregants snakes, rats, human hair and what was really really worry here this one in some cases there were those who were instructed to drink petrol in order to receive miracles so is this the right way forward for us to see irregulations of religious institutions and religious uh, practitioners uh, we joined on the line by uh, uh, the director uh, for the uh, the executive director uh, rather for the South African uh, uh, Pagan Rights Alliance uh, Damon Leff, and also we've got also Edward Marazzo on the line joining us from the Commission for the Promotion and Protection of the Rights of Cultural, Religious and Linguistic uh, Communities. And uh, let's start uh, uh, as well. Let me also bring in Michael because I just saw now that we have Michael in the conversation. That's Michael Swain, who is the Executive Director for SA, which is an organization that represents uh, Christians, uh, organizations and institutions. But we have to start with the Commission with uh, Edward in terms of looking at the report itself. What were the key findings of, of the report, Edward? And I know I've already uh, mentioned the context, why this report was important and why it was uh, very much uh, uh, the landscape of why this report uh, came out. But what were the findings when you uh, did the report as, as the commission and what stood out for you as the commission during uh, the investigations that you were making? Thank you so much, and uh, good morning to your listeners. Um, some of the findings that we came across in the investigations include that the evidence of commercialization, indeed we found a prima facie evidence of commercialization of religion, mm. 
Um, you know, and we have uh, many examples where people are expected to pay substantial amounts of money for blessings and uh, prayers could be said over them. Uh, of course, blessed water and oils are sold to congregants at a high marked up price. Um, and then, you know, the issue of compliance with the existing laws, that uh, some churches are not registered with the Department of Social Development, either as NPOs or with SARS as public benefit organizations. Mm. And some religious organizations or institutions operate freely without registration or a licensing certificate. Lack of good governance structures. Uh, That's one area that we found uh, some issues there. Some institutions have no codes of conduct. Lack of oversight structures, such as a, a church council, disciplinary committee, in some instances, institutions are controlled and owned by one person. Mm. Um, some of the findings, wow. you know, includes misuse of the visa application systems. Some pastors apply for a different type of visa, like a visitor's visa mm. or temporary visa, and yet, once inside the country, they demand a permanent or resident visa. And of course, some foreign religious leaders misuse mm. the South African visa application processes. The issues of flouting of banking rules. Ah. In some cases, money collected from the members is never banked with any commercial bank. Wow. Uh, and then the issues of avoidance to pay tax to SARS. Uh, most institutions are registered as NPOs, but their annual turnover is way beyond the NPO limit, and they do not declare these to SARS. Uh, the issues of uncontrolled movement of cash in and out of the country. Wow. Uh, some religious institutions tell their congregants that money has to be paid to their head offices as as we discovered, most of these head offices are based outside the country. Uh, of course, the mushrooming of religious institutions. Uh, unlike in other African countries, it has become very easy to establish churches in South Africa. The other issues include the illegal and unethical advertising of religious and traditional healing services, wherein we find that newspaper adverts, posters, and leaflets are used to advertise the promised uh, people healing enrichment, jobs, lack, or solve problems. For example, you know, where you find people are said to bring money and they will get more money the following day. The issue of property bought with the community's money, you know, in some cases, the title deeds of these religious properties end up being inappropriately registered. For example, registered in the spiritual leader's name. And this encourages the building of a family empire while using public money. The issue of operation of religious institutions as a business. Lack of clear separation between religious activity and Mm. business activity. Mm, 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 And mm. then the other thing is the lack of religious peer review mechanisms. This has led to some people in the sector doing whatever they like with no accountability to anyone. No one can order people to undertake questionable religious practices like feeding them grass snakes, rats, drinking petrol, locking them in a deep freezer, driving over people, and so on and so forth. So these are some of the findings that we came up with in our investigative study. Well, I want to bring that to our other guests because I think those are concerning areas that you've highlighted there, Edward, the fact that there seems to be overall a big issue when it comes to accountability. I think that one thing that I've kind of 
I feel that's the the issue when it comes to religious groups there, and because of those kind of mannerisms in terms of that financial commercialization of uh, uh, the the relig the religious organizations themselves, it's difficult to separate the business part of uh, the the practices and also uh, the communal uh, parts of what's been practiced here. But let me bring it to you, uh, Michael. What are your thoughts there? Because shouldn't there be a separation between a, a business and a religious institution because it's very much been a, a historical more contemporary historical question why aren't churches being taxed and why are they not being held accountable the kind of businesses that they undertake well thank you very much and thank you to your listeners as well yes look I think very importantly we need to understand that the religious community of South Africa is far from unregulated we live in a democratic uh, country with a constitution and with a body of laws that cover pretty much every aspect of life and which regulate and govern the religious sector just as it re- regulates and governs all other sectors. So what um, Mr. Mufadza is identifying and the CRL Commission have identified mm-hmm. are that there are areas and there are situations where these regulations are simply not being abided by and in some instances, there are there is literally criminal activities taking place mm. under the guise or under the cloak of religious freedom, and that sure. is obviously unacceptable. You cannot say that you're doing something in the name of religion or because God told you to, and yet that act is illegal and it is criminal. So what we're seeing here is yes, there are areas of non-compliance, but again, we have to look at what the solution should be. Um, the CRL Commission is proposing that every religious practitioner and every place of worship will actually be licensed by them, whereas in fact what the real solution is, is simply enforcing the laws of the country. So, you know, for example, if people are coming into this country illegally, well, that's the Department of Home Affairs issue. They, they're the ones that issue uh, visas and what have you. If people are laundering money or doing uh, unacceptable monetary practices, not paying their taxes. Well, that's where SARS gets involved. Okay. If people are doing false advertising, we have the Advertising Standards Bureau. Uh, you know, so, so on and on we go. I mean, where people are literally committing crimes, like spraying people in the face with Oh, food, yeah, that's another um, issue. Th- 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 then, th- then that's a criminal activity. Mm-hmm. And that's when, if the law is applied, then we have a solution. For example, that prophet of doom instance Mm. Uh, the Department of Health in Limpopo actually took him to task under the Hazardous Substances Act and obtained an interdict which prevents him from doing that ever again. There we can see when the laws applied, the problem is solved. Well, it comes to the issue, not necessarily the fact that there aren't regulations, but there isn't a systematic uh, process whereby religious institutions are held to account. Um, Isn't that where the problem is? Yes, we might have the laws, but as was highlighted by uh, Edward there, the fact that there's no uh, mechanism actually that makes sure that churches are held accountable for some of these actions that are illegal, Michael. Well, what, what I'm basically saying is, is simply this, that yes, there are the mechanisms in place that will deal with them, but where these mechanisms are not being applied, uh, that is really something which, in many cases, the state should be involved in. And mm. one of the proposals that we made to the CRL Rights Commission mm, mm, mm. In, in our submission is that 
they are actually empowered by their own act, by their, by their own act of parliament, to actually play a role whereby the, if uh, reports come to them of illegal things happening, mm. they are actually empowered to alert the relevant institution of state. And we suggested, well, why don't you beef that up? Why don't you establish like a rapid response unit so that when these reports come to you, because I'm sure there are reports and issues mm. that, that are taking place, mm. then you activate the relevant organ of state and deal with these things swiftly and decisively. Let me bring in uh, Director of the South African Pagan Rights Alliance, Damon Liff, your thoughts on uh, this uh, conversation. Hello Benjamin, hello Edward and Michael. Um, yes, I'm actually agreeing with Michael. Um, essentially what is happening is that existing laws are being flouted by would-be snake oil salesmen. Um, it is not the responsibility of religious leaders to enforce the law. That is the job of the NPA. And Michael's suggestion that the CRL Commission uh, establishes some kind of mechanism whereby, excuse my voice, complaints are immediately directed to the NPA so that they can take action seems to be the most effective way of dealing with general issues of crime. Um, As uh, pagans, we specifically object to four proposed requirements in Section 18 of the CRL Commission's report, requirements which we regard as inconsistent with the Constitution. Mm. And if I may just quickly, briefly cover them. The first one requires that a religion must have a religious text um, that has a defined origin or an origin proved so ancient, quote, Mm. that no one alive can remember the true origin. Mm. Well, who determines whether or not this requirement is met? Well, for example, a pantheist or an animist who does not base their Mm. faith on any Mm. specific religious text be disqualified. Who determines that threshold? Um, Are we to assume that bias and prejudice by the state will not play a part in disqualifying persons from designation based on uh, the the prejudice of the people who are determining that? Um, Based on our personal experience with other state entities, we strongly suspect that adherents will be discriminated against. And the Mm -hmm. second one is Okay. Religion should have a significant number of followers, and for this, this one is our primary concern. Mm. The CRL Commission has already ignored our written submissions. In fact, in a, in a quote in a recent article, the Commissioner, the Chair, uh, said that we fall under the 3% category, and therefore our opinion is irrelevant. Well, the Constitution does not abortion rights based on numerical status. Minority faiths, irrespective of the number of followers, have the same rights as those faiths with many followers. So the CEO Commission's exclusion of minority faiths in consultation amounts essentially to an unconstitutional mm-hmm. discrimination of minority faiths. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to come back to that. I need to take a quick break because you've highlighted a few things there. And I'll bring them back uh, to uh, Edward there. But my concern as well there is also, is there enough resources that's going to the commission? Are we not putting too much pressure on the commission itself to actually actually like look out for religion in itself? Because it is a limited uh, resourced uh, institution in itself. So we'll come back to those areas brought by Michael there and Damon. I want to hear your thoughts there, Edward. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. What do you think? Do you think that religion should be regulated to some point? Uh, give us your thoughts there. Remember, uh, we are on uh, social media. You can find us uh, on uh, at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. I want to hear your thoughts. 11.20 Central African Time. Let me take a quick break. 
Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonye in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbara Munjarere in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Jean-Noël Bamweze. Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here and our uh, service into the African continent, Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And also we're on DSTV in South Africa, neighboring countries that have access to that uh, particular audio uh, channel. Channel 802 is our audio bouquet channel, Channel 802. You can also stream us live and listen to us on our website on www www.channelafrica.co.za We're asking the question, do you think that uh, Afri- uh, African religions or religions overall should actually be regulated? Give us your thoughts there. We want to hear from you on our Twitter handle. But look, I'm going to take, um, uh, just for the argument's sake, there's two versus one here. So I'm going to go for opting for Edward's side just so we can balance the scales here in terms of uh, uh, representation. Edward, I agree with you. There's a lot of kind of control in terms of religious institutions. There's not much, there's not an institution that actually goes through a process or a mechanism where there is kind of a regulation that is actually making sure that they are monitored on a monthly basis, for instance. I would say that's the reason why you having this fruitfulness of illegality that's happening within uh, the religious institutions. But what are your thoughts around da- what Damon and uh, what uh, Michael have uh, uh, brought to the table because Michael is highlighting the fact that there are institutions in place already that uh, sh- are actually involved in terms of making sure that uh, institutions, non-religious institutions, religious institutions are actually uh, following the correct uh, uh, business models and uh, also what was highlighted by uh, uh, Damon is the fact that uh, we're starting to also question the idea of uh, uh, what is a religion, the question of what actually a religion is should there be a text behind it? Should they have a number of followers? Uh, I know when it comes to religion in itself, it becomes a very lucid space because there's so many different beliefs that go into this particular space. Your concerns are around the issues that were highlighted by both of our other guests, Sir Edward? Um, I, I think, um, let me start by saying that as a commission, we, we are not just creating where it is not itching. I mean, um, when we started with these matters, these legislations that we are talking about, they, they've been there sure. and they're still there. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, while the prevailing conditions within the religious sector are still, you know, uh, continuing with all, with all those legislations that we're talking about. And actually you will find that even some other government departments tried to intervene 
but they couldn't actually be assisted in the manner in which the whole process can be actually, you know, sustainable, except that you can stop this person for doing only this thing. Uh, you know, for instance, the doom uh, interdict, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, where he was stopped. So tomorrow he can use another chemical, and therefore you must go to court. And I wonder if we really have, um, you know, money, or we need to spend the taxpayer's money in that fashion of spending our time in the court, paying the lawyers uh, for each case, and so on and so forth. So what I'm trying to say is that, um, yeah, you know, we should not... Uh, try and politicize the well-being of our people. You must remember that um, we as a commission, we have the responsibility to promote and protect these uh, religious rights of these communities. And uh, what we are doing is that we do not want to be dragging uh, these communities to court and debate the Bible and so on and so forth. We are saying we need to be proactive and come up with a system uh, that will keep the church away from the court. Or that will keep the religion away from the courts. And, uh, you know, wherein the religious people themselves, that's why we're talking about self-regulation, wherein the religious people themselves should um, be responsible uh, for their own affairs without any, you know, uh, state intervention or without any court intervention. And we, because we know that once we get to debate the Bible every day in courts, that would be very. Uh, that would be a sad day for the religious sector, because once we make judgments and so on and so forth over uh, the Bible, it, it, oh, I'm giving a Bible as a. That's just an, an example. example, sure. Yes, so it, that will actually create. And we are not in the business of chasing pastors to prisons as a commission. Mm. Uh, our interest is to build capacity within the religious sector, assist them to run their things in a. Uh, orderly, uh, but also with with accountability. Mm. Uh, The legislations that we're referring to, um, we've engaged mm. the relevant departments. There are gaps there Mm. when it comes to religious uh, uh, sector. There are gaps, and um, we are assisting to bridge those gaps so that, you know, we are able to deal with these issues. You know, for instance, the issues of... um, uh, you know, visas uh, for religious people and so on and so forth. They will tell you from our affairs that, you know, when it comes to religion, they have to waive some, uh, you know, uh, issues there so that they can be able to accommodate um, uh, religion and so on and so forth. It's not, it's not as uh, straightforward as we speak, uh, you know. And, and I'm, like I'm saying, we need to be proactive and say how best can we deal with the situation in our country as we speak. And we, we must look at, at a religion, uh, uh, you know, from a broader perspective. Mm-hmm. There are those that are from, uh, you know, very poor rural areas where mm-hmm. they are operating from. Sure, they don't sure. even have a single money. They mm-hmm. don't have this. We, we as a commission, we are finding this as a space where we can also build capacity to those people without even, you know, uh, being charged, mm. so let, let me, can be assisted. Let yes. me bring it back, Edward, to the other guys because I don't know from where I'm sitting. Is there something wrong with uh, a peer review mechanism within religious groupings where we hold each other accountable? Uh, Michael, your thoughts? I think what you have to start off by recognizing is that the CRL has declared itself to be, in its report, the final arbiter of religion. And that these peer review committees 
are answerable to it. They are described as advisory bodies. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that these peer review committees uh, are being tasked with evaluating is whether or not um, the, the doctrine of uh, the, 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 the self-regulatory bodies is actually acceptable. So immediately you can see that it will effectively be the state that will be intervening, not just in the regulation of religion, but actually ascertaining whether or not any particular doctrine is acceptable. If not, then licenses will simply not be granted. The other thing which I think is very important is that there is almost zero support for what the CRL solution is. Mm -hmm. Not the issues that they've identified, Mm -hmm. we accept that, from the religious community. For example, Bishop uh, Zifo Siwa, who is the presiding bishop of the Methodist Church of Southern Africa, uh, released a press statement in which he said that in whatever self-regulatory terms this is couched, these regulatory bodies, which is what you say, the peer review committee, mm. will be state-appointed, state-funded, and, and state-controlled, and as a result, the proposed legislation effectively amounts to state regulation of religion. Okay. Now, that's quite a serious the, statement yeah, from yeah, the yeah. head of a major, uh, the, the Catholics, mm, mm. the Archbishop of Cape Town, mm. uh, who's president of the South African Catholic Bishop Conference, has also issued a statement saying the recommendation that new laws be introduced to enforce registration of pastors and ministers is overkill and a response that one would more expect from a totalitarian state than a constitutional democracy. The Muslim Judicial Council are also unanimously agreed that they are not in favor of this bill and will be making objections. So, you know, we can see that there is really no support for these uh, conclusions that the CRL has come to. And they have not consulted properly or widely with the religious community. They have, in fact, sensationalized some of, of these issues to almost put themselves in the place of the protectors of the congregants which implies by definition that most pastors, if they're not abusive, they could Mm. potentially be abusive. Mm. And as a result, they are giving themselves a huge overreach to their powers. They have no executive authority granted to them, either by the Constitution or by their own act. But Mm. they're now asking for this, and they're asking to be effectively given control of the religious sector, which is an absolute turnaround of the current status quo in this country. Well, unfortunately, with that being said, what does actually have to happen then? Because you do have people eating rats in the name of uh, uh, getting miracles or drinking petrol in a way of getting their next uh, breakthrough daemon. Some people are using religion as a way of um, self-profit and as a way of deceiving people. So what happens now? Because... Uh, the commission has tried in its own way to deal with those issues, but we're saying, hold on, hold on. Well, acts of criminality are clearly being perpetuated by a few people, so it makes absolutely no sense to regulate everyone else. Um, Even under regulation, certain people are going to break the law. What is required is enforcement of the law, not regulation of thought. Um, The religious peer review committees, for example, require that Everyone in a specific religion um, must be reviewed on all the requirements. 
Okay, I'm losing you there, Damon. I'm not sure what's happening there. I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll come back to you, Damon, and see if we can uh, clear uh, that uh, uh, line uh, for you. But interesting conversation that we're having here about the regulation of uh, religion. Uh, Joining us on the line is the CEO of the uh, Commission for the Promotion and Protection of the Rights of Cultural, Religious and Linguistic Communities. Uh, That is uh, Edward Mafatsa on uh, the line. Thank you for giving us your time. So do stay with us. Uh, We're going to come back to you. And also we've got the director of the South African Pagan Rights Alliance, Damon Leff, and executive director of 4SA, Michael Swain. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. It's fascinating stuff indeed. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47. One seven double one. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial six zero five four seven one seven double one. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Yes. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspectives. Indeed, you are listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. And uh, thank you for uh, joining us on our various uh, platforms. And today we're having a very interesting discussion uh, here. And I wanted to pick your brain, uh, Damon, there. We lost you just briefly there, uh, but you, you were uh, speaking on the point on what's the way forward? Because uh, really the commission's powers are also limited as much as uh, there is a view that's come out from Michael that uh, uh, they are overstretching their men in terms of uh, uh, powers, in terms of legislative powers over religious groups. But w- what do you want to speak of? Because there is really an issue, that, as uh, Edward highlighted earlier on, the fact that there is the stuff that's happening in religious groups and there are vulnerable people that have been taken for a ride here. Yes, we acknowledge that. But as, as I said, can you hear me? You sound perfect. Good, okay. Um, yeah, we acknowledge that people are being taken for a ride by snake oil salesmen. But as we said, enforce the law. Even under regulation, people are going to break the law. Um, what is required is an enforcement of the law, not a regulation of a group. Um, I find that whatever form the proposed regulation takes, it cannot in any way affect the right to belief or the right to religion to the extent that citizens are effectively prevented from exercising their freedom to belief in religion. For example, a refusal to register could reasonably only be defended, provided that the decision does not in any way infringe Section 9.3 of the Bill of Rights. So the Constitution specifically prohibits the state from unfairly discriminating directly or indirectly against anyone on the ground of religion or belief. Mm, But then another thing is the fact that, uh, you know, sometimes it's the fact that 
shouldn't we actually formalize religion as a way of censor, making sure that there is integrity within uh, the religious uh, uh, community? Because if it has to happen in a, on a professional landscape or it has to happen in any other sectors of our societies, why can't we make sure that uh, uh, religious leaders are also... Uh, really are put to account and uh, uh, they professionalize uh, and regulate their practice. Why are they there getting the escape, scapegoat, uh, um, Damon? Religious, religious leaders are, are accountable not only to the communities they serve. They are also accountable to the state through laws, existing mm. laws, enforce the laws. Um, regulating an entire religion because one or two people in a specific branch of a religion are breaking the law. It doesn't make sense to me. Okay, let, let me come to you, Michael. So let's go back to the drawing board. Let's say we're starting on a clean slate. What happens from here? We, we proposed when we sent our submission in, and I think it's worthwhile saying that 4FA represents uh, over 6 million people from a broad cross-spectrum of the religious community. Uh, we, we actually teamed up with the uh, South African uh, Freedom of Religion Charter um, Council, and we put a joint submission. And now that charter itself is actually subscribed to by over 20 million people. So you're talking about a significant constituency and, and obviously uh, one that is very well thought through and very reasoned. Our, our proposal was basically um, that, number one, we should have, as I mentioned before, a rapid response unit within the CRL to deal with some of these abusive issues. Because obviously, if people are doing criminal or illegal acts, they should be shut down. I think we've established that. Number two, what we need, we believe, is a baseline of agreed ethics. So let's call it a code of ethics, which every religion would, I think, be able to subscribe to, and which I think would be something which even the CRL could facilitate as a broad-based consultative process. And it could well be based upon the Freedom of Religion Charter, because that's already gained widespread acceptance. If you have that, then you have basically a a, a, um, voluntary subscription to an agreed code of ethics, code of behavior, uh, which would mean how do we do things, but it would not interfere in any way, shape, or form with doctrine. That's one of the key things that we have to be very careful about. And the other thing which he recommended that the CRL should also consider, and again, there are many institutions and organizations which would, I believe, be quick to come and help them in this capacity, would be where there is non-compliance, where people are doing the wrong things. As the CRL themselves know well, in many cases, it's not because they're deliberately or willfully breaking the law. It's frankly because they don't know any better. So I believe that one of the things that we believe that one of the things the CRL could do would be to actually capacitate this, to actually put resources in, to develop some of these pro forma constitutions and, uh, and, 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 and make sure that people are registering correctly mm. and make sure that they know what they have to do. As that would be an educational role, which I mm. think the CRL would be very well placed to provide. Mm. Well, let me come back to you, um, uh, Edward, because uh, you find yourself as a commission in a very, very uh, interesting space right now. You have the likes of the Damons and the uh, and Michaels saying, well, we still need a lot of things to look at before we just go ahead 
with these particular recommendations. I know there's other organizations that have supported you in terms of this particular report. I mean, the founder of the Omsamo Institute came out saying that the establishment of structures would be good uh, for worshippers. I know that also the president of the Hindu Mahasabha said structures could help uh, prevent unscrupulous practices. The African Christian Democratic Party said the CRL findings and recommendations were a result of a process handled diligently and the seriousness needed to approach such contentious yet critical concerns. So now you have to have all these different views coming to you and now you have to find a way forward. As the CRL, after this report, what have you thought of is the way forward and how are you guys placing yourself in this current conversation? Well, um, as a commission, you will know that um, we have given this report now to Parliament. And uh, Parliament uh, will have to follow its own processes in terms of dealing with this uh, report. But we still feel very strongly that um, some of the voices are not necessarily representing the 20 million that they are claiming. Uh, Because, you see, if you look at the charter that they refer to in partnership with CRRS, we are also signatories of the very same charter, and therefore they are not speaking on our behalf. And there are so many other institutions uh, that have actually signed the charter, mm. mainly for the values in the charter and not for this project that we have actually engaged ourselves in now. So we must be able to separate that the sentiment in terms of the recommendations and the findings of this report are not necessarily uh, you know, binding the signatories of the charter because we are part of the signatories there, and they are not representing us. So if they are claiming $20 million, uh, that needs to be tested. But on the other hand, we are saying uh, there are processes in this country still. When you are not actually, you know, happy with the recommendations that are made by one of the Chapter 9 institutions, uh, you are able to go to the Constitutional Court for a review in terms of the recommendations. And... Uh, let the court then uh, be uh, make a final decision on the matter so that, you know, where people are complaining about the overreach, where people are talking about the enough laws, where mm. people are, you know, and, and, you know, they will make a judgment uh, comparing it to the status quo in terms of what is happening within the religious sector. And then that will also be binding to every one of us. And, you know, we are saying, and we are very much convinced that the proposal we are making here is very much inclusive. It will bring order in the religion. But, of course, we are mindful that this proposal, to some people, it means that they may no longer have any business to do with the religious sector uh, because it takes away the control from them and it gives mm. the control to the umbrella organizations to deal with their own faith and uh, you know, beliefs. Mm. So mm. I think um, as a commission, we are prepared that um, uh, the courts, should anybody take the recommendations to a review, mm. the courts must be the final decider on the matter. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you to all our guests for giving us uh, their different views and different uh, uh angles of how they see this particular story. Thank you to the Executive Director for SA, Michael Sway, and uh, also we had the Director of South African Pagan Rights Alliance, Damon Leff, for joining us on the show. And uh, thank you to uh, uh, Edward as well. That's Edward Mafata, who is the uh, CEO of uh, the CRL. Thank you all for giving us your time. Definitely robust. Definitely there's more to come out of this uh, particular issue. Thank you all for giving us your time. Thank you so much.
That's how we wrap it up. Let's have some music. And uh, to stay with the theme, uh, the religious theme, let's have some music from the soil. This one is titled Blessed and Highly Favored. The question is, are you 